Welcome back to Latin Rouge Cycling Podcast. We have Stage 12 of the Vuelta Espana brought to you by Zwift, our show partner, as always, for the, I think this is like the PSM Martin stage, where Team Sky absolutely sent it in 2015. Froome and Port went 1-2. There's one categorized climb. It's a Cat 1, and it's steady. 20K, 6.5%, yeah, some of it's a little bit steeper, some of it's not, but there's no kilometre over 8 point, oh, it's one 9% kilometre, but it's really steady. Um, and there's no categorised climbs before it, and it's flat before it. So two options. Uh, a really soft weak break goes because they're flat, because the team wants to control, but then which team, like a lot of the teams, GC teams are hobbled here, particularly Quickstep, and they have the strongest climber so far. So a monster break went. Our, our rapid fire through it. Benji will pick out the interesting riders from it. Turnison, Champoussin, Battistello, Lutschenko, Zambonini, Fabro, Kelderman, Carthedo, Shaw, Carapaz, Backlance, Bevan, Goldstein, Hagen, Oliveira, Rojas, Verraca, Craddock, Brenner, Wiederberg, Tiberi, Soler, Oliveira, Palons, Tamino, Vermeersh, Vine, Diaz, Canal, Turiek, Jezbe, Ozean. Remix that into an LRCP wrap. <laughs> what a rap that would be. That would be crazy. Oh, yeah. I can imagine it already. Mike Soler with two teammates, already a stage win. Vine with two teammates, already a stage win. So that's a bit that's a bit of strength in those two areas, but that does not mean that they're the all-out winners here either. Carapaz was in GC, the one of the hopefuls for Ineos, but clearly fell out of that. So he tried to get in the breakaway today hoping for a stage win, not necessarily to jump up to GC if it's accidentally happening, then he might be happy with that situation, though. Kellerman with his teammate is also interesting because Kellerman's only on like 14 minutes in GC here, and he's got a teammate here. He's not really the winning type, so what would his goal be? Is his goal to backdoor away into the top 10, or is he actually looking for that stage win that he's been hunting for his entire life and only found in time trial so far if my mind serves me right and a gc somewhere in some race but uh on a road race hasn't happened yet so intriguing phenomenon there when it comes to other riders in this group there were quite a few strong ones like you would say that lutsenko is a strong rider but if i put that guy against a a carapaz or a vine or a solera i would say no 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 that's not it but solera with two teammates i said balance is interesting though because the dynamic we've seen with Solar and Breakaways is that he seems to drop earlier on and then come back towards the end. We saw that with the stage that Vine won, the last one he won, I think stage eight. Solaire came back in the final stretch and so forth. So I was expecting Polans to like remain as the strongest on the final climb and then towards the end Solaire to come past. And maybe that might happen, maybe that might not happen. But that was kind of my prediction going into the final climb on this stage. But this breakaway... Solid gap instantly because, like, what is Quickstep going to do? Cavagna, like, we mentioned it yesterday. It's the only rider that can really do stuff on the flat. They had Fervak in the breakaway for a bit, and eventually they ended up pulling him back, and that was at an interesting moment. We will talk about the breakaway stuff, continue onwards after this, but I do want to mention this considering it is actually connected to the breakaway. Fervak dropped back, and it looked like it was called up. At the exact moment that something happened in the peloton, Remco ended up crashing in a corner, a bend, and it was an interesting thing because it was very similar towards Alaphilippe yesterday in the way that he just slid out. It looked like he was undercutting the corner a bit. I don't know if he braked in the corner or not, but that was suggested by a few. 
What was your take on the crash itself? It was actually, yeah, really similar. Some spectator footage came out on Twitter of the Alaphilippe crash because we couldn't see really what happened. There was no heli shot on TV. And, yeah, it looked like he ran wide too fast and then tried to straighten up far, too fast and slid out on dusty roads. And something similar happened to Remco. And he uh, landed on his right hip. He tore up his shorts a little bit. He didn't seem to hit his head, shoulders, everything else, legs, knees, fine. Just a little bruise, no blood, I don't think, too much on his right yeah. hip and uh, through the rib short. So, yeah, Viviker called back. I think um, maybe a little overreaction, maybe a little bit of panic. <laughs> like, I think the idea with Oliveira in the break, with Viviker in the break, was to be satellite riders to help out on the climb itself. I'm not sure the actual plan was for Viker to, to come back uh, yeah. at that exact point. I just think they said, get back here. Uh, to help chase Wilco um, everyone was rolling turns in the breakaway really like I don't know it was Vine was the short favorite for the stage from that breakaway um, but everyone was rolling turns because I guess Wilco had a dual GC uh, GC ambitions as well but there was an attack but before we get to that I remind you it's the 1st of September Autumn's here in the Northern Hemisphere. The rain is here in Andorra, and that means indoor season is here. Zwift has just announced a raft of updates landing soon, so there's never been a better time to join or fire up that account. Again, if you pause your subscription over the summer, there are more pace partners ever than ever before, and this is a personal favorite, the ability to chase your personal best ghost across segments a new race series and even new roads all landing soon plus with training series like zwift academy starting there's never been a better time to give indoor training a shot for more information or to start your free seven-day trial head to zwift.com through the link down below but yeah Bavistella attacked in the break um to try and force vine's teammates to chase vine's teammates did chase tamano and vermesh on the flat, that's why having teammates is so important, so he doesn't get forced to chase. They got they brought him back, and no one else really tried because they just the mesh would keep pacing. I think. Yes, and we also got to mention, like we spoke about Kelderman a bit so far. We spoke about Kelderman being a rider that is gently moving up in GC. The larger the gap of the breakaway becomes, and because of that, even a pool crash at a certain point, at like 40-ish kilometers to go, the tempo in the peloton went down a bit as they waited for even a pool, and the break extended to a point where I think they had 11 minutes and 54-ish seconds, if my memory serves me right, which meant that Kelderman not only jumped into the top 10, but was virtually on the podium in second of this Velta for at least a tiny bit. So... At least he was on the podium for a bit, but we know that on the climb itself, the tempo will increase in the peloton. So that would only last for X amount of time. But we were certain at that point, right? Like if you're at that point in the race, virtually second, then there's like eight minutes to the end of top 12, for example, then it's very likely that if Calderman does not suddenly collapse on the final climb, that he ends up in the top 10 of GC, which is a very good move. And you mentioned that before. Would that become an issue when it comes to balancing that with a stage win or not? And I guess we'd see on the climb whether he would have issues with that or not. But when it comes to that final climb, Peñas Blancas came up and I feel like Alperson controlled that really well for the initial part of the climb. Vermeer and Tamano pacing pretty well. 
Um, but then really this was a straightforward stage. Um, Fabro goes to the front, teammate for Kelderman, and he, for, for starters, Kelderman's got a good kick. That's why the fact that he hasn't won a world tour or even any road stage is it, it, like almost statistically impossible because he has a like fucking good 10 second power for a GC guy uphill. Um, so Fabro pacing was good because he just sits in, everyone sits in, he keeps the gap to the peloton, GC safe. And then if we go to the finish, we go to the finish and I, I back Kelderman, but uh, Fabro did his best, kept pacing, eventually pulled off after a lot of riders had dropped. Soler was nowhere, but he was just doing Soler things. He'd taken some tips from Almeida on pacing. Uh, Polance was yo-yoing, Lachenko was gone, Caicedo and Shaw were gone. We had Vine, Jezbert, not Champoussin. Uh, Champoussin, the big money move. <laughs> not looking, <laughs> maybe, yeah, uh, not looking great. Um, Jezbert was looking really good. Polon's there. Vine was there. Kelderman and Carapaz. So Carapaz, we, uh, Marco Brenner. I don't do Marco Brenner erasure. Marco Brenner, what is he? Has he turned 20 yet? Uh, just turned 24 days ago, uh, the German on DSM. He's very, very good. He was there with them. So now is the tricky part, Benji, where Vine is probably people who people are worried about. Fabro's pulled off. Jezbert's attacked. And Kelderman has GC in the back of his mind. And that ends up with what we normally see, what we saw in Circuit Hudegecho, the Spanish little one day, Wilco Pacey. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I feel like when Jasper went for that move, Kellerman was also the one that also closed down Jasper. But like Kellerman, the initial response to like attacks that happen against Kellerman, I feel like he's on like the biggest gear as possible. It's like he's mowing his lawn on his bike for some reason, and then it starts upping the 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 cadence towards their wheel. And it's really interesting to see that. What I did feel like was happening was something similar with Carapaz towards I don't remember Luzardi then I think. Uh, the stage where Carapaz like faked a bit that he was like performing an Oscar performance was pretending that it was completely done. I, fe I felt like it was kind of that. He was not necessarily showing his hand, which is arguably clever. Did you notice something similar or am I imagining that? Yeah, Carapaz is just acting as like he It's ridiculous. Oh, I'll show it in the video <laughs> tonight. But like the moment he's literally the second before he's attacking, He's like grimacing, pretending he's in he's in pain and then attacks. It's like Richard, there's a delay from the TV to the cars. So by the time the cars have seen you faking, you've already attacked in real life. <laughs> so it's completely pointless, but he's just so committed to the bit. Uh, you gotta respect it. Um <laughs> just yeah, he's he gets another his second Emmy award or Oscar today after on Lose Arden. Well actually no, he didn't get the award there because he got caught. Uh but yeah. Wilco got played by El Hagua de Tulcan, apex predator, hasn't had a great world so far, but you sense weakness, he senses weakness, he strikes, rides away from Kelderman and beats and just holds the gap that yep. he initially got. He only wins by nine seconds. I'm not convinced he had necessarily better legs than Wilco today, but he played it for the stage. And that's, we've been speaking about a lot more, like, Playing for the stage 100% can and often has made the difference in Grand Tour stages this year. Certainly. Now, I also want to shine a light on other people in the background. I think like Michael Brenner, 20 years old, was in the final four riders 
before Carapaz decided to make his move towards the end. And then Brenner kind of started falling back. But being 20 and doing that, we knew this guy was talented. I will be honest, I felt like he stagnated a bit at DSM for a certain period. But this year with his Tour de Swiss performance, I think he was like top 15 of my minds all right about that. Or was that Burgos? I don't even know. A race this year. A random race this year. Top 15 somewhere. Marco Brenner probably. No, he was good before he got COVID. And always uh, the best race in the history of cycling. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it confirmed both Remco and Vine and not necessarily Plap. So, but we, we'll leave that detail and, out just to make sure the statistics and, are um, right, right. out of his pants, man. Who? Altebrooks. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Isn't that the literal oh translation? God. Uh, it depends. Aren't pants like <laughs> underwear? I don't know. No, only in the UK. In Australia, pants means long trousers. Very difficult, all, all these <laughs> countries, you know? Like, I don't know. I'm not okay with all these different meanings. Anyway, friend but, looking good. Exactly. And also next to that, what I what I said at the start of this like thing, Soler and Polans. Polans was the one that held on longer. Soler didn't hold on as long as Polans. And towards the end, while dropping like 10th last rider in the race... Like, he ended up passing everybody and finishing third. This is so typical, sir. I don't know what's going on Isn't with him. Isn't there it's a problem like he... with that? I don't know. Is that well, a barrier shouldn't... that he needs to go through or something before well, he can well, actually... Or well, shouldn't Polance wait... For... Like, if Polance waits for Soler and helps him pace, does he make up that time gap? I know it looks like 20 seconds, but we're talking a 20-kilometer, nearly a 50-minute climb. Like... But... Surely, if someone waits and paces with him, Plants paces for him, and Plants was attacking the group as well at times. Does Soler get closer? But can you trust the rider like Soler though? Like, it's weird, huh? Yes. Do you he's have flying. the confidence? He's flying. Yes, in this welter, he's flying. I agree with that aspect, but do you have the confidence with someone that drops 10 riders earlier to still make it back? Only with Soler in this welter. Like, if any other rider does that, I'm like, throw them it's, out. It's different for G. <laughs> it's different for GC. Like, having a GC rider sacrifice for an Almeida, Almeida. and then Almeida. But, but this is Polance. What what chance does Polance maybe have to win? I know he's a nice rider. He won, did he win La Guelia? Yes, he won La Guelia. But what chance does he have against Vine, Carapaz, and yeah. Helderman? It's not so great. So it's that's the trade-off. I'm not sure there's a correct answer. I'm just saying, you know, 2020 hindsight, it might have made uh, <laughs> yeah. a difference. We haven't mentioned Jay Vine. We, he did really, really well before the first rest day up north. We're down in a different climate. I can't keep emphasizing it more, how the changes in climate and weather, I really, really think they make a huge difference, um, particularly for someone like Agita or whoever. And I don't know if he was just on an off day, whether he's just tired because he's been doing more than a lot of people like a Carapaz, like a Kelderman in this race so far, or they did, I don't know the what's either, uh, but he dropped earlier than expected and was kind of similar to, kind of similar to the Tour of Turkey situation. He had salt-crusted shorts and maybe it's the heat and he's a, he's really good in like 15 to 20 degrees. I don't know. I found it really curious when that happened that Sportsa commentator was like, well, Vine will need to climb a bit stronger than what he's shown today uh, to get that KOM jersey in this world. <laughs> I was like, that's a very early assessment of the situation based on this one performance, to be honest. <laughs> he still has double the points of Soler. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> and there's barely any, like, yeah. 
I don't know. I think, as we know, KOM jersey competition has little to do with, like, you need to be a good climber-ish, but it's more to do with strategy and targeting it than, yes. you know, winning stages is more important than that. But, yeah, Carapaz Benji, I guess a, a going-away gift for uh, for Ineos, a nice little bonus for himself, and uh, just a good result. And also, I think good that Ineos led him in the break or was it like how if you have your sea rod hat on do you do you still because we were saying this about Soler I was saying Soler should be helping Ayuso and Ineos are thin on the ground too Sivakov out they just got Gagan Hart for Rodriguez I, I think it's easy to say after he's won the stage but I really think if you're not in the contest if you're not in the leader's jersey I, I do like riders having freedom I think so as well. I'm relatively similar with you on that opinion. I would, yeah, it would be very different in hindsight if, for example, uh, a Rodriguez attacks the GC group today and, and gains a minute. Then you'd ask, okay, what would have happened if Carapaz was there? Would that have helped? Would Carapaz dropping back on the climb as a satellite rider would have helped Rodriguez in that situation gain time on certain riders? Yes, it would have, but in hindsight, from what happens in the GC group, which we'll go through today, that might make a different opinion. But when it comes to GC, let's get to that first and then talk about it. We've got a GC group that is starting the final climb, and we don't have that many quick-step riders in it. We lost Alaphilippe, we lost Seri and Sothov. I think there were three quick-step riders at the foot of the climb, I'm fairly certain. The last two that survived were Ravak and Von Wilder. But they were not the ones that were setting tempo at the foot of the climb, because Jumbo Visma took it on. Jumbo Visma took it on, and what they did was put Rohan Dennis at the front. They started pacing with Rohan Dennis. And did you feel like that tempo was significant? Because I swear, like, quite a bit of people were dropping. I think the initial Dennis push was pretty firm. Like, it did seem to catch people. Like, Gagan Hart was badly out of position um, moving up. I think Ayuso was in bad position, maybe caught off guard. So I definitely think... Dennis pushed on at a decent pace, probably just having a little look to see how does Rip Shorts Remco look um, on this climb. Now, this climb really does suit Avonapol's consistent gradient, um, long climb, 50-minute efforts is no problem for a guy that's done well in flat world champs, ITT. So it does suit him, but I guess they had a little look. I do think... I, I do think in the end, and then they got Harper to pace quite hard. That was after Dennis had been pacing for a while. Egita looked no good. Uh, Ayuso actually looked in a lot. Ayuso looked under pressure the entire climb, and he reminds me of Pagacha more and more and more every single day. In that, like, even when Pagacha is sort of under pressure a little bit, like, I don't know, the way Pagatra on Planche de Belfi when Vingegaard attacked him, his hunched shoulders, the way he pedals, even when he might not be super dominant, he can, like, claw back into it. And I don't know, Ayuso reminded me a lot of Pog 2019 today, actually, even more than before. Um, so he was looking good at the end, not so good at the start. I don't know, I feel like Harper put Roglic under a little bit of pressure. Um at the start and Movistar then called back Oliveira. He then started pacing really, really hard, or I don't know if Mass attacked across to him. Um, I think Mass missed an yeah. opportunity today. I think I went on a big thing on the rest day about how Mass is unfairly criticized. That criticism stems from days like today, <laughs> um, where he sort of he, he'll never try he'll never try twice, ever. He will he will try once, half commit. 
and then settle in. Um, and and that's why he gets criticism, uh, playing a little bit conservative. I think he should have tried. I think Musk could have dropped Roglic today and taken back time for second place. I don't know. I simply don't know because like maybe he's just not that kind of rider that has the ability to attack twice and still the ability to hold on to what happens afterwards. Maybe he doesn't want to be countered. He wants to stick himself in the race just in case. Let's say that Evenepoel has a bad day on Sierra Nevada in the mind of Moss, for example. And Moss is like, if I can just not get countered, then I'm not being put on even more time in this situation by Remco by the end of this climb. Maybe he's thinking that way, but I agree with you that he would probably be better off focusing on trying to get a one-up on Roglic instead. And whether that's by doing that second attack or not, I actually don't know. I I do agree that it's probably the reason that he gets criticism, but I also never considered Mazda Rider that is the attacking type on climbs. I swear even if Vuelta that he podiumed in 2019 is my guess, he ended up podiuming that by attacking a group that was looking at each other on stage 20, if I recall correctly. And those were the moments that Maz benefited from. He attacked, I think those were the moments where he attacked more times where the group didn't continue setting a pace, where the group kind of stands still for a second, looks at each other, and that's where he tried to benefit from. And I think if a situation like that happened a bit later, it would have potentially occurred again. But what happened after, like, Maz went to Oliveira's wheel? Oliveira just kept pacing, right, for a while? Well, Maz did, he made a mistake as well, where he left Oliveira's wheel and said, Mm -hmm. you close it. And every, all the other GC contenders looked at him like, why would we, why would we <laughs> yeah. care? And then Lopez attacked him and then Mas had to close Lopez. And I was like, that was a complete waste of time. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I don't know. Then Gagan Hart came back and he started pacing for Rodriguez. Then through a hairpin, Rodriguez attacked the group. Ayuso is there with even Apollo's looking, by the way, the entire time it, of the this climb, he looked completely comfortable and in no problem. Um, they have Avenapol, Mas, Ayuso, Almeida's yo-yoing, but he would eventually get dropped. And Roglic, Roglic is looking, uh, I would say, okay, but on the limit. Like he, I think one big attack could have been been trouble for him, but there was a bit of stop and start which helped him. Lopez looked all right until the end, and yeah, Rodriguez attacked, had the group on his wheel. No one counted him. Um, he stopped and then Avenipol just started pacing to the finish and then Rodriguez lost 11 seconds in the last 100 metres. It happened the other day. He lost 13 seconds to the group the other day. He seems to, I don't know, he just doesn't have that finishing burst at the end because Avenipol wound it up at the end. And Ayuso, this is what I was saying, like Pog, like he just, Ayuso just holds on into that group and just, Keeps the draft. So Evanpol finishes with Mas Roglic Ayuso, Lopez on six seconds, Rodriguez on eleven seconds. Gegenhart very good. I do wonder if he might have attacked to see who chases him and take back time because I do think a two-leader strategy for Ineos. If Carlos isn't stronger than the other guys fighting for top five, then you need something more than just pacing. You need. You need something else. Um, but yeah, GC, big shakeups in the t- 6th to the 10th region. Avenipol, same gaps to Roglic, uh, 2.41 to him, 3.03 to Mas. Rodriguez loses a little bit. He's on 4.06, 4.53 Ayuso, knocking on the door. Kelderman moves from 21st to 6th <laughs> on 6.28. Lopez is on 6.56. Almeida drops down 2 to He's on 7.18. 
Polonce, <laughs> he's in the top 10. He's on eight minutes. Yeah. Gegenhart moves down <laughs> two on eight. Oh five. O'Connor had not a great day, I don't think. He lost a minute or so, 55 seconds. Hindley lost 90 seconds, finishing with uh, Valverde. So not a great day uh, for him. But what does that mean for GC, Benji? I think a lot when it comes to a team that you probably wouldn't expect me mentioning right now. And this is something that we've looked at yesterday when it comes to Hegita trying to go in the breakaway, Kelderman trying to go in the breakaway for Bora to try and get into that top 10. I think there's another team that is perfectly situated with three riders in the top 20 on 11 minutes, 13 minutes, and 14 minutes. And that is EF Education first. You can bet that they will try and get in the breakaway, gain 10 minutes, and one of them will end up on the top 10. I 100% bet you. Like, they are like perfectly situated in GC to do that, right? They have to for the points. They need multiple guys, even to go ninth or 11th, like Uran and Carthy. They have to um, go for that. And they've been, who they got? Even Padun. Like Padun, if if he stays with GC Group, if he just stays with them on Sierra Nevada, he'll move into the top 10 by default and won't, because the third (laughs) week is so soft. So I think Uran and Padun look. Like, I think Padun will do better than a run on Sierra Nevada, but it's hard. Padun doesn't do so well there. Yeah, it's there's the relegation stuff in play as well. A bike Exchange now no longer have Yates, so it's pretty much just EF fighting for that. Um, I don't know. It's Movistar. Movistar, but oh, they just tank and have Mass do his best. Yeah. Like, they don't have multiple, and he won't be able to get in a breakaway. Valverde um, is falling. Okay. He's now 17 instead of like 13. So. They're losing I don't spots know why they got Valverde. him to pace. Did they get him to pace? I don't remember. Uh, Bauer should fight uh, for 10th. Possibly. Maybe try and get in the breakaway in a similar fashion we just mentioned for Yev. You don't know that might lead to a satellite rider role if Maz ends up dropping people behind. You never know that. You can always consider that on the go then if you've got Valverde in the breakaway. I don't want to mention, a lot of people have been asking me on Twitter, and I think we spoke about it today in our chat as well. Patrick, that Rodriguez is wearing the Spanish jersey, the national championship jersey. A user is wearing the white jersey. Now, I went into an in-depth investigation. Basically, I just asked Twitter, guys, what is this? Why is he wearing not the white jersey, but a Spanish jersey, despite being second in a youth classification? Because Enemco's first, but is wearing red, so he can't wear white. Second is Carlos Rodriguez, but he's Spanish champion. And apparently the rules actually mention that specific thing. They say that in a situation that a second rider, well, the first rider, like Remco, has the red jersey, then he can't wear white. The second rider will have his world or national champions jersey prevail over the youth jersey. And apparently, according to the UCI rules, that is a must. On stage nine, Rodriguez was wearing white. And... I'll be honest, my guess is that that's a mistake from the organizers. <laughs> because according to the UCI rules, how I read them, he should not be wearing white. And like today, a user should be wearing white, as simple as that. It'd be funny if a user drops down and then Rodriguez starts wearing the white jersey again, where the organizers were just like, hold on, how about we have Spanish national champ jersey and a Spanish youngster in the white jersey? We'll double stack it. Why would we hide the Spanish national champs jersey? Um, 
I don't know. But Rodriguez and Ayuso, it's looking good. Rodriguez is looking good for Sierra Nevada, but we have Pandera before then. But before even then, we have, I don't know, I, I was going to call it an interesting stage, but it, it might not be. <laughs> it's from Ronda to Montilla tomorrow, and it's 169 kilometers long. There's no categorized climbs, but it's not a pure sprinter's day by any stretch. It's up and down, rolly all day. There's a bonus gate with an intermediate sprint on the top of a short little hill with about 15 kilometers to go the final ramp i believe is 700 meters at five percent uh or that's before the final ramp i need to check the the final exactly i think mads pedersen i think trek have to go all in for him tomorrow this is easier in my opinion than the lagardia stage four finish which was 900 meters 8.4 percent this has a little flat section um sort of before the final punch i really think they have to go for pedersen tomorrow and i think that might benefit roglic roglic might take some seconds uh some seconds on mass and others tomorrow but who else will pace is it too hard for for groves it is also the issue i think scottson is out as well i don't think it was covid related based on what i read in the tweet but he was just feeling ill so that's an extra rider for bike exchange that's not going to be pacing in this peloton. So they might want to keep people towards the end. I don't know. I Like seven years ago, I would have said Valverde. But that's not the case anymore. Like he on paper doesn't have that punch anymore. Dagan Cole will try if he's there in that group, but he doesn't have the teammates to pace, I think. I don't expect DSM to throw everything on the table for a Dagen Kolb on this finish is at least what I'd say. UAE doesn't have the riders to pace because they're focusing on 10 GC riders at the same time because Polans is now also in the top 10. Um, Alpesin Merlirna, that finish is on paper too hard for him in my eyes. Lotto Sudal doesn't have anything. Debar ain't want to get in the break with Fred Wright and Louis Leon or go for the yeah. from the GC group. Yeah. I think there's a a thing to be said about the breakaway on this stage, actually. I just it's very difficult to predict, you know. We might just end up with like three riders from uh continental Spanish teams and would be easily controllable. But if that's not the case, if it's a bigger break with more people trying to actually get something out of the stage from the breakaway, then it changes something. And I think a, a cofidis with Kokar might be interesting on a finish like this if he wasn't the form that he was before the Tour de France. And that's the bummer now because I haven't seen that in recent days. What would happen if Peterson's in the breakaway and it takes Trek away to pace? Do they automatically make sure the break wins by doing that? I think the only other team that might pace would be FDJ with Pache. I, I don't see Jumbo Visma pacing with Dennis all day for this, for maybe some bonus. I don't know. It's a lot of effort. Maybe 10 seconds. He's only got 20 on mass. Could be decisive if he wins it. But yeah, Pedersen, I think, is the A1 favorite. For it, haters out. This would have been a hater stage. Uh, would Ineos have for him? Maybe not. Fred Wright will be looking to break his sort of break his bogey. Um, I would like to see McNulty getting a break with uh, with Solera again. I think McNulty on these rolling hills, if they work people over, he's really, really hard <laughs> to bring back if he goes long. So McNulty as well from the break would be someone I'd be looking at, but his legs haven't. Haven't looked uh, as good, but I'm going to go with um, 
has he done? I just want to check he's done well this year first. I'm going to go with Rudy <laughs> Millard from the break and okay. probably maybe Pedersen from the Crochisi group. Very possible. I'm going to go with Fred Wright from the breakaway and I'm going to put all my eggs in the breakaway basket just to be disappointed tomorrow when the Peloton ends up winning. But while we predicted this, I do want to give some credit to a rider that attacked today and we did not mention him in the actual recap of the stage, Daniel Navarro. And he's got rides for Burgos now, but he's actually got a big history because in 2012, he was riding for Saxobank, the team that Alberto Contador was leader at. Eventually that year, he also got suspended, if my mind serves me right, for the uh, stake gate. And I think Navarro was a super domestique for like multiple years. And I was shocked to, to see him attack and still be there today. Just wanted to mention that. It was like, you've got that scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan Kenobi says, it's a name I haven't heard in a long time. That was exactly my reaction to Daniel Navarro attacking at this moment. So yeah, just wanted to give that extra to the stage. I don't know why I wanted to say it. <laughs> 39 years old, he topped 10 the tour in 2013. So, yeah, still going with uh, with Burgos, who haven't really got much out of this uh, race yet. But, yeah, Fred Wright, I don't know, tricky stage tomorrow to call because it might all land on Trek and Nagita's not been looking good, not expecting huge GC gaps. Thanks for listening, as always, and uh, we'll see you with the recap of the stage tomorrow. Ciao.